no, I would. I don't frequent gay bars either. So, what are you trying to tell me? Coming to you live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois. This is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby podcast. And now, your hosts, Chris Newmer and Steve Kersky Jr. Welcome to Behind the Destruction. Welcome. All right. This is episode number 12 of Behind the Destruction for the week of September 30th, 2012. 2020. The all TDA edition for fifth night. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Chris Newmer. With me, as always, 2011 national champion demo driver and a man who made the Kessel run in 11 parsecs, Steve Gursky Jr. Sure. How, sure, how you doing, Steve? Sure. I'm doing. That's a that's a Star Wars reference there for you. Oh, I didn't, don't watch Star Wars. Wow. Is, is it still on? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream is contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041 or finding them on Facebook. This year, Driven Restorations has won five straight best-in-class awards for their 1949 Chevy pickup work. Spots are becoming limited, so call soon for yours today. <laughs> I'm tempted to leave this in because that, I think, without a doubt, is the worst intro we have ever done. Yeah, it's not our best. No, but, you know, that actually ties in very nicely with uh, Fifth Night uh, and the performances that we saw. You know, uh, going into it, you know, you and I talked a number of times about uh, both what we wanted to see, what we were expecting, because for the first time in a while, there were only two teams uh, that could win the championship, and it was anybody's game. It wasn't something where uh, everything had to go right for one team and everything had to go wrong for the other team for one to win. It was something where it was up in the air, and really it was anybody's battle. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those nights where, you know, it would have been great to see in the first round reckoning against Mean Green, you know, settle it right then and there. Yep. You know, but the two just... teams that were vying for the championship faced first round. That's it. Take yep. care of it. Everybody's good. Everybody's done. No questions. And, of course, that did not happen. No. Well, actually, reckoning faced their old foes, Orange Crush, and Orange Crush took it to them. And... They got absolutely dusted. Yeah. Well, Brian Anderson did really well, so it's speedy. Steve. He, yep. did pretty, he did pretty good. Um, you know, they switched it up a little bit. Brian actually went went and crushed, which uh, he did well. He yeah, uh, did a good job. You know, it's you know, it's funny that like certain people. Uh, I remember, I believe, I think you told your sister before the uh, women's race in 2011 when she was racing, and she said she was going to be crushing, and you told her you might want to show Chris McGuire, your brother, how to crush. Just go backwards around the track. You constantly have opportunities to hit people that way. And that was what Brian did. It was like right away, boom, he just started going. He was went around the turn three tire backwards, went down the back straight away, and just kept trying to hit people. Yeah, you know, it's just it was an ongoing joke with us. You know, we always told the crushers to go opposite way of the opposing team's runners because they have to go one way, you know, 
And if you take that away from them, they're not going to make any laps. Well, no. they didn't really do that. Every once in a while they would, but, uh, you know, it, it takes a runner to show the crushers how to do it. So Brian was basically making reverse laps to go after their lap runners, you know. I mean, he missed sometimes, but mm-hmm. but when he connected, you know, he did his job. Yeah, it was a he job. had a hit. He took out uh, Orange Crush's Tom Brickman-Lewis, and it was one of the harder hits um, at least in terms of both cars going a high rate of speed and then crashing into one another. Right. I mean, or how about the fact that he totally dismantled Carl Brower's car? He was the lap runner. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I think Carl's one who still got the laps, and I'm not sure, but, I mean, his car was demolished. That, I mean, yeah. I think Brian was telling me that. you know, Carl didn't want to make any more laps. You know, he was concerned that one more hit and he'd be – getting hit physically yeah the car would uh, be like one of those stunt cars just splits in two somebody drives right on through right um yeah after the races were over like uh because uh brian anderson and carl brower have known each other i think since high school and uh carl came up to brian was like were you trying to kill me out there and uh true to form brian's like uh were you with the car i hit (laughs) right well it's not like you're trying to kill people but yeah Technically, you are trying to kill people. Yeah, I mean, certainly take them out. But, yeah, so Reckoning lost to Orange Crush, and uh, prior to that, Mean Green had gone out against Damage Inc. and lost-ish, I guess. Well, they lost. There was a little question on the lap counting, which has kind of been all year. Um, yeah. And some mistakes, which, you know, it'll happen. It's human error. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when it come down to it, fair and square, you know, they reviewed it, and teammate beat you know, team one, which kind of kind of goes along with team one for the year. You know, it's if they obviously if they lose in the first round, they're done. But if they get out of the first round, they're going to the final and win it. So, you know, it, it kind of, you know, took a little weight off the shoulders of, of Reckoning to watch, you know, the race before them. You know, their only other team that can get them for the championship is knocked out of contention. But, yeah, I mean, it was – that was it. Boom. And that, you know, it's sort of relief. It's like, you know, send out the guys no matter what. Doesn't matter how badly we do, we're going to uh, win the championship. But, you know, Orange Crush had to feel pretty good, you know, winning the night, uh, beating Reckoning, knocking them out of the first round, winning the night, kind of rain on their parade, their yeah. championship parade. So, And we're going to we're gonna come back and touch on that point in just a minute. But uh, the it was as anticlimactic of a championship run i think is there ever could be like you and i talked on the phone several times before uh before the race and we were talking about the worst case scenario and i think uh we were debating about whether or not the worst case scenario would be something where both teams would lose in the first round or whether there would be a scoring error and it was just like we kind of got both things going it was like we never anticipated that we could get both right yeah we kind of joked you know, that both teams lose in the first round and kind of, you know, because they didn't face each other, how, you know, anticlimactic that would be. Uh, the scoring error, I don't think was... Yeah, it wasn't really a scoring error. It was yeah. just, it was really problematic in the sense that, uh, like, I would say what, an honest hour took place between the time that the Mean Green Damage Inc. race was cleared off the track and the time where Damage Inc. was declared the winner. Yeah, you know, that's something that the TDA wanted to make sure, you know, that they got right. You know, you don't oh, want yeah. to just hastily oh, yeah. say, oh, yeah, we think that's who won. Okay, now that's enough. No, they wanted to make sure that that was definitely the case. And, you know, I mean, obviously, me and Green, 
you know, they, I'm sure they pushed a little harder to try to make sure that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's their last thread they have to go on to the next round, to, you know, to at least tie for a championship, which in case they would win then. But, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if it takes an hour, it takes an hour. Yeah. You know, um, just make sure it's right when it comes down to it. And, in fact, I think just the board, I think just going from – like the lap counting was right. It was just the wrong number. I think it was on the board for a little bit, which. And I don't know that they waved the white flag for the uh, damage driver that crossed. But either way, like I and I don't I have not actually seen the footage of the damaging driver. I believe it was Andrew Sherman, number eight, going around. Uh, I've just been told by two of the TDA officials that they both reviewed it and that there was no uh, no error. And, yeah, because uh, you know some people are saying that oh there was a car that cut a tire um, during the race. Well, you know it all depends. You know what I think a lot of the scoring errors have come from this year is that people don't you know drivers don't have big enough numbers on the roof of their cars. That's mm-hmm. where it's coming from because you know one lap into the race the sides of cars are covered. You don't know what's going on. So, no, you know the TDA just took their time. You know and made sure they got the call right and they did you know and yeah and, and I just was, like uh the air coming out of a balloon yeah you know and i will say it. this they the tda is incredibly lucky that uh it just incredibly lucky that andrew sherman did not cut a tire because i'll tell you what had he cut a tire they would have been put the league would have been in one of the worst positions that a professional sporting league could possibly be in they would be determining who won the championship by what they decided. Like, so I put this to you. Um, just for the sake of argument, say that they review, like, so they clear the tape. They've already declared that Damage Inc. is the winner because that was what it, the scorers said. So uh, Damage Inc. is won. They start clearing the cars off the track. Uh, now, at this point in time, Mean Green's uh, lead lap runner, I believe, was Matt Opie Pierce, and he was stuck ish around the turn four tire like he was in some mud there were some people that could have possibly hit him uh that was where it ended now let's suppose you go back you see that andrew sherman did cut the tire didn't make the laps do you award the race to mean green you know i think so i think so because what you look at is now you know he's at the start finish line basically just getting on the fi- his final lap, you know, you have to take in some considerations. You have to review on the tape how many Mean Green cars are still running. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Zach Van Allen and Ryan Decker are still running, and he has one more lap to go, and Matt Opie Pierce is at the turn four, you know, tied up with someone, which he's always been tied up with someone, and still gets free, you know, to win a race this year. These are the things you take into consideration. You yeah. know, if there's, you know, one or two, if there's only two. You know, uh, damaging cars going and three mean green cars. You know, that's the way you got to play it. Um, I would hate to be in that position. Oh, no. that it is... But that's how I'd play it. And, you know, you're never going to please everybody. So, But to think that the decision for the league championship would come down to something where uh, ultimately the league would have to... Uh, it would be something where the league would dictate either... Uh, yeah, okay. it basically would be the wrong team won, or we awarded victory to a team that didn't get five laps. And it's like that's how the championship came down to it. It's like well, I would, but but any way you shake it, that's the only way you can go at it yeah. because it's no different than like the Tuck rule, you know, Raiders and and New England. 
you know, the Oakland Raiders and uh, New England Patriots. You know, that was the, the championship game was decided on that call. Yeah. Well, there's no other way to shake it. You can't say, okay, we'll put the cars back where they were. Now go. No, no. Let's it it is completely and totally something that would be decided. And I'll tell you what. If it were me and I was in that situation, I do not think. You would run and hide. You'd just leave. <laughs> I would. Like, I would oh, my God, no. Exactly. No. But if I was in that position, I would. I could not give Mean Green the championship. I could not award them the season title based upon something that didn't happen. Like, I couldn't do it. I would say, you listen, there was a scoring error, but. I can't. I just can't give you the championship. That's why, based on in my it. opinion, that's why. If it comes down to the last night, and you have two teams trying for a championship, and they have not faced in the first round, you pick that lineup, and they face in the first round. It now it doesn't become, you know, it doesn't. It, it's not about who's going to place, you know, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth after that. It's about the two teams that have made it to the final night and are battling for the championship. In 2011, Reckoning and Orange Crush pulled it so that they got to face each other. That's true. They did. Perfect. Yeah, they was perfect. That you know that was fate. It happened. That was great. But now you see the flip side of it. Now it didn't happen in 2012. Now you have the Peanut Gallery saying that you know Mean Green's the real champion and and Reckoning's not. You know Mean Green wins two nights. Reckoning wins one. Mean Green beat reckoning earlier in the year yeah that's just the I nature of the points based standing say, though exactly yeah. well but, i think the other thing is is that mean green got absolutely jobbed uh third night when they lost but won or no wait won but lost see that's all hearsay because i've never seen any evidence of it i've heard people talk about it but i've never oh, seen anything that said exactly you know um i mean realistically thinking the tda said Okay, there's a problem with that scoring, so we we give them two extra points. That was why I my right. Okay, so all right, they give them two extra points. Well, if it wasn't for that two extra points, we wouldn't be really talking about me and Green vying for a championship. They would have had to gone go further in the night. True, it wasn't decided by two points at that point. Yeah, point, point to point. So let me ask you this: in the situation, let's say just going back to uh, the Andrew Sherman potentially cutting a tire, which he didn't actually do. Um, suppose he had cut the tire. Uh, at that point in time, this was the this is sort of the Sophie's choice. Do you give the race to damage? Do you do you award it to Mean Green in the championship? How do you handle that? I'd give Mean Green the championship. Hmm. Plain and simple. I mean, I just look at it as, you know, what lap did he cut the tire? Did he cut it on his first? Second? I believe so. For very first tire. He cut it on his very first, and Matt has been, you know, Mean Green's runner has been in first place the whole whole race then. Huh. That's how I look at it. So, I wonder you know. what would happen if you. I wonder if you know. I'm I'm changing my mind. I'm saying I'm not saying that I would award it to Mean Green. I think I'd say you know what, guys. I'd pull team owner Brian Anderson from Reckoning. Uh, I'd pull whoever the proxy team owner is for Team One. Basically, you talk to Zach Van Allen. <laughs> talk to Zach Van Allen. I'd be like, listen, guys, here's the deal. The score is screwed up. Uh, we're not, I'm not awarding the championship based on this. We're going to put an exhibition race out for you guys. So you guys, Reckoning and Mean Green, are going to race for the championship. That's it. And I, I think I would use power of commissioner or, you know, whatever the betterment of the game clause is that usually goes along with professional uh, sports commissioners and put that out there. I, cause I would not feel comfortable 
giving one team a championship over another based upon uh, a potential scoring error. Right, I agree, but this is why I go back to I think they should have just faced off in the first round. That would have solved a lot of problems. That's it, and I've talked to uh, Shane McMartin, and he gave me his side why they don't do it. That's the head of officiating. Right, and I totally understand what he's saying, but... What was his argument that uh, why that shouldn't happen? Well, he compared it to, like, NASCAR. When you guys are in the chase and... You know, you have your, what is it? They do 12 guys that are in the chase. Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't put the 12 guys in the front and leave the rest of the guys in the back. Everyone's vying for the same win. You know, everyone's mixed in with the, with the 12 other guys who are going for the championship. So if you finish 23rd in points for the year for the chase, where you're not in it, you can still start to race in first. Yeah. So, but for me, it is... I don't know. Who gives a crap about them guys? Who cares? <laughs> you know, basically, who cares who the third place, fourth place? I know that, you know, okay, so obviously placing third is better than placing fourth, okay? True. I'm not asking you to take Mean Green and Reckoning who faced first round on the first night to now have them face again in the first round. You're only suggesting that if, if the teams haven't, haven't pulled each other. Each other. Right. Yeah, because you've already had your chance. If earlier in the year, Mean Green and Reckoning faced in the first round, that was either team's chance to knock that other team out. Yeah, but they hadn't faced that, so there was still a full lineup of teams that hadn't faced each other. So you automatically draw that last, you know, round, which there's three different scenarios left. You draw that scenario where Reckoning and Team One, Mean Green, face, and you let the other guys fight their way you know, to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I see it. No, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, the first time you, you proposed that, I thought, uh, I don't know. But the more, you know, you think about it and the more you look at it, you go, yeah, that would make perfect sense. Right, because, I mean, think of it this way. Right now you hear a lot of stuff about Mean Green calling themselves champions. Okay? Yes. You, you know, I'd actually wear one of those T-shirts, too, right. if I could get the Mean Green 2012 National Champion shirt. But it's one of those things where if they would have faced in the first round and Reckoning put the herd on them and went on to the next round and Mean Green, they lost. Yeah. You wouldn't hear them saying anything about... Or paper champions. Paper champions. You know, you wouldn't hear any of that. It's just, you know, you know, you wouldn't want to be, you know... Well, you would because you like to scab out on competition, but it'd be like going into the Final Four in college basketball. And the top, you know, number one and number two, you know, seeds are there. Both of them get knocked out by, you know, a 16 seed and an eight seed. You know, you don't want that. Yeah. Well, I think that's the that's what we're describing, though, is the very crux of the issue of a points based championship system. Which is that it's not about facing somebody one-on-one in a playoff situation or like a one-out bracket like the NCAA tournament, it's about accumulating the most points. And the thing is that if you ask me even today, like after the season is over, where do you rank reckoning? Even though they won the championship, I'm still going third, fourth. They feel like a third or fourth team. Right, but see, the one thing that they were was consistent. Oh, yeah. They won one night, but they were always in, you know, not always in the final. First night, I think second round they lost, second night, they won. No, third. they were they consistently. You know, they were consistently there. Whereas Mean Green won two nights. Yeah, Great. and they, they lost in the first trophies. round three times. Yes, but you lose in the first round, so that's inconsistency. So you're, 
you were basically penalized for being inconsistent. You know, if you went off of how many night wins you were, is the championship. Okay, what happens if you have five different teams that win a night in five races? How do yeah. you pick a champion out of that? I think the points are fine. You know, I, I understand. You know, I think there should they should be a little more odd numbers in there, though. Instead of everything being two, two point, two point, two point, throw mm-hmm. some odd numbers in with it. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, it's NASCAR switched it to, you know, you can have a guy that won three races in, in a, or four or five races in a season. He won them, but the ones he didn't win, he didn't finish. Yeah. So why would he be a champion if, you know, there's someone else who finished in the top five all year without even winning? Mm-hmm. Well, he's consistent. Obviously, they're doing something right. You know, I agree with you. You know, Brian Speed did a hell of a job this year, uh, you know, and Nick did too. You know, it's yeah. one of those things where, you know, yeah, maybe second place. You know, I just – maybe, you know, third place. I see Third place there. feels good. Third, yeah. Fourth place, I go, yeah, but okay. But you look at the other teams. You know, I called it with Junkyard Dogs this year. You know, I called it with that, with, with how they struggled. Team two is a mess. Team one is up and down. You know, Team 4 thought they'd do a lot better. They started out well, kind of faded. Team mm-hmm. 5, they're in rebuild. Team 6, their drivers are in and out. Guys, You know, I fired. will say this, though, about Team 6. Like, you want, like, Orange Crush. They looked good. And you know what? They looked good third night. I watched them third night, and it's like if I had to pick sort of like in a team power poll on the year – uh, like what team ranked the highest? I think after third night and fifth night, Orange Crush, they looked like the team to beat. And I think if you just showed up third night and fifth night, watched it run, you would assume that Orange Crush just would run the field. Like they are by far the season champions. And then you go, oh, they, they're second place? Wow. They Wait, they weren't even in the hunt for the championship fifth night? How the hell did that happen? Because they looked good. Yeah, but then they had a tough race going in, you know, and Orange Crush fell subject to drivers switching in and out, you know. Uh, you know, Carl Brower's there. He's, I think he missed fourth night. Yeah, so he, I think Art he had a filled yeah. in. You know, Johnny wasn't in. Johnny Ryan wasn't there at the beginning of the year. You know, Elmer Fandry was. You know, he and was fired from the yeah. team. You know, Ron Tarakowski, I think, and Brickman were the, the two that were always there. All yeah. year long. And I found out that uh Ron Tarakowski was racing with broken ribs this last uh this last race where I he I believe he raced the first two races and then did not well, race. I don't in know the if finals. you know this, but they call him the Iron Man, which yeah. you know must mean that, you know, his balls are iron yes his tolerance for pain like iron just i, I can't imagine that because i remember you were telling me about something like like even bruised ribs it's like it's tough to breathe right now you know let alone bounce around in a car yeah that is I, I i interestingly and sort of coincidentally yeah he probably should win the iron man award for being able to race with that well, i mean just a... for having the nickname iron man i think you should get the iron man award <laughs> <laughs> yes, the honorary Ron Tarakowski Iron Man Award goes to tenth well year for in a, a row. T- yes the tenth year in a row Ron Tarakowski. Guys, I uh, this is now just getting embarrassing. You know, two things that uh, I, well, one thing I'd like to touch on right now, you and this sick son of a bitch. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize that wasn't all pant. Um, mm-hmm. one thing I'd like to touch on uh, on the opposite side of things. As good as Orange Crush was uh, fifth night, uh, Team 2, Seek and Destroy, looked just that bad. I mean, I, I don't even know if I should call them a team. Uh, they just looked abysmal. Well, they, 
ended the year the way they started it, I guess. I think they ended it worse because, like, it, when they raced first night, I think at some point in time, I I used the word smash, bash, and crash in relationship to them. I, thought, I think you had death threats from that. I, I did. I had death threats. I actually had to talk to the drivers and explain. I, I was merely referencing the fact that several of the cars didn't quite work and that they had driven off at the end of the race. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I was like, okay. And they, they picked it up. But I think, in all honesty, fifth night, they looked worse than they did first night. It was... It was to the point where, if I it, like, if I used another smash bash and crash comparison, I think people would go, "Well, actually, yeah, uh, Steve Gursky Senior, your father." I mentioned this to him, and he's like, "Yeah, we really were." Yeah, that uh, by the time Fifth Night rolled around, it was, you know, uh, Chris McGuire. He raced uh, most of the year. He was not available for the last night, so they threw Chad Young into a car. Which that's their normal backup driver. That's their normal backup driver. He doesn't want to race, really. You know, he, you know, especially when you draw a team three. Uh, he was, you know, I guess for lack of a better word from from the people that were there, said he was scared. So I mean, his car made it thirty feet off the line. Yep. Uh, Steve Schaefer's car fifty feet off the 50 line. Fifty feet, and then a starter problem or something like that. Greg. Uh, well, let's get back to Greg in a minute. He actually drove backward off the track, and then, you know, like my my dad said, Steve Gursky Sr., he he goes, yeah, he goes, I just had an absolute horrible race. He goes, you know, uh, yeah, I missed a shot, uh, got hit, and stuck to a guy. That was it. And um, and he had the best race of all. Which was bad. And he'll even say that it was, it was absolutely horrible. It was embarrassing, you know. And, and you know, it, it was one of those things where, morale of the team before the on friday was absolutely horrible yeah absolutely horrible you know there was no new cars at the shop yeah i remember i talked to your i talked to your dad and i said you know how 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 is the car building coming and his response was what cars yeah three of the four car or guys uh didn't have cars to go into the second round if they would have won yeah um actually steve gursky senior rented a car from reckoning that was already wrecked you know, he put his motor in it and got another car from a, a sponsor, HMP, Heavy Metal Performance out of Rockdale. Um, he did his legwork and got his cars. And, you know, there was no car supplied by the team owner, which, in fact, collects the money. So, you know, the morale of the team was absolutely horrible. And when they got to the track and onto the track, it showed. It yeah. absolutely showed. I mean, it was it was bad. It was really bad. Well, I will say this, and uh, you know, it's it's. I think teenagers across the country have made making statements like "this is the worst thing I've ever seen" or "this is the best thing I've ever seen," and it's sort of they've made it commonplace so that if something actually is the worst thing that you've ever seen, you actually need to make special pains or take special pains to to communicate that what you're about to see is not just it's not hyperbolic. I'm not just like, oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. This Greg message delivered. The worst thing I can ever recall seeing a driver do on the track. He drove backwards. He got pushed backwards more than half a lap. Like, so just to, and, you know, let's set the scene here. Um, Greg was the, I believe, lone lap runner. Yep. Um, He got to turn three in an attempt to. Well, first he got to turn two and Kyle Shear hit him and pushed him up to turn one and then Kyle kind of broke off of him bored to looking for someone else to hit and Greg 
made it to turn three. Made it to turn three. Kyle caught him where again. Where Kyle caught him again, and Greg sort of clipped the turn three tire a little bit, and like trying to dodge or get out of Kyle's way. Hide. Hide. Uh, and then Kyle Shearer took his car and essentially pushed Greg Message's car from the turn three tire all the way back to the turn two tire. Then he pushed, he, I don't know whether it was by the wall, whether he caught Greg's car on the wall or Greg was turning. He then turned Greg cars, Greg's car 90 degrees and pushed him from the turn two tire to the turn one tire, at which point in time, uh, Message's car then turned off the track, and Kyle pushed Greg's car off of the track where he held him for the rest See, of the I race. See, I think, you know, push is a rather strong word. I look at it as aided. Uh, he aided him because, I mean, I, I just happened to see a video on YouTube where, you know, pushing a car would, I guess, mean that Greg's car was trying to go forward, whereas I watched his tires go backward. Yeah. So I, he drove, helped himself off the track. I, I, so. I spoke to Greg after after the race and asked what happened, and he said that he couldn't find a gear. and uh, he Parks was, a gear. Try that one. Yeah, or or a bra- hit the brakes or turn the tire or something. He he doesn't have brakes in his car. Oh, well, there there's yeah, as you said, parks a gear. Yep. But uh, I mean, all in all, and and this is truly amazing. With what we just described, Greg Message managed to get negative laps. Like he actually went backwards on the track more than he went forwards as a lap runner. He got pushed back. Behind, like he got pushed back, uh, something yes, seventy five percent of a lap, and he only managed to make it about seventy percent of the way forward. Well, plus, then if you count after the race when he was sitting off the track, because once you go off the track, obviously they won't let you back on. After the race is over, if you count him driving from that back to the pits, then he actually he actually had like negative half a lap. Yes, it was just it was really an abysmal display. And it's after it, a year where everyone seemed to be kind of equal, you know, whether some people would argue that it was good racing or everyone was just kind of down a notch and raced equally, whatever it is, th- that first night and the second night, team two just didn't fit in with the other seven teams. It just didn't, you know, and I know people personally on the team where, you know, it kind of hurts, you know, it bothers me because they're better than that. And they are. It, but you need help. I mean, you need help from a team owner, you know. Uh, to supply the cars and the equipment. I mean, a whole day without being able to weld. That's great, you know. That's a good way to help your team out, you know. Just little things like that, you know. No, and that can definitely impact it. And it's, as you said, the drivers, uh, for once, it it didn't seem like like your your brother, Chris McGuire. He was part of the champion uh, reckoning team last year. I mean, good, solid veteran driver. And your father, Steve Gursky Sr., same thing good solid veteran driver it seems like they should have done better but yeah i mean you know what the uh, first night they raced together was second night of this year chris comes back he races uh with team two on the second night to make it in the second round and lose a close race to go into the finals um they lose to team eight that was team eight's first time in the finals ever yeah um you know, losing to Team 8 used to mean that you were really horrible. But this year, you lose to Team 8, you know, at least, you know, you can keep your head up because they're yeah, a good team. They were, they they were a good, good team. So, you know, to see that, but then as the year progressed, it just the, the drag of, you know, you know, half and, you know, just of your normal 
Yeah. I, I guess you could call it petty, but it adds up, you know, where you, you want to work on cars and there's none to work on, you know. I'd say the wheels fell off, except they no one bought wheels. No, there's no wheels. They know how to bolt them on so they don't fall off like during a race or anything like that. So. What? Oh, my God. Oh, no way. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, we're going to come back after this and uh, go through the team-by-team breakdown for yep. one last time this year. Cool. We, we will be back after this. Fire. Driven Restorations, a family-owned and operated full-service auto restoration shop, which is located in Randolph, Wisconsin. Whether it's a full frame-off restoration or just a detail cleaning for the upcoming show season, bring your collector car or truck in to Driven Restorations. You can follow us on Twitter at Driven Resto, that's D-R-I-V-E-N-R-E-S-T-O. Facebook or our website, DrivenRestorations.com. Driven Restorations, we'll help you drive your dream. Welcome back. We will now talk about Mean Green. This is what happens when I ask Steve to bring us back from break. <laughs> so Mean Green Machine came into the night, um, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, they had a very peculiar line. They either won the night or they lost in the first round. There was no in-between. All or nothing. All or nothing. And it was like... It kind of interesting because I, I started at least trying to figure out some odds on that or the statistical ramifications of winning the night or losing in the first round, and uh, I just couldn't do it because there were too many variables. Well, but we bet in Vegas. They would be – the heck would they be – what kind of odds would they would they throw on Well, the this is the problem is it's like 50% of the teams win <laughs> in the first round, and then – it's like all the way through. It's like so you end up with like a twelve and a half percent chance of winning the night, or uh, and and you just go through that and you're like, wow, that twelve and a half percent and they won twice, huh? Okay, because talent sometimes plays a part in that. And it's like, oh, but they also lost twice in the first round. Oh, so it's not that you don't know what you're getting. It's very much an all or nothing type of thing. And uh, Ryan Decker in his uh, infinite ability uh, managed to actually race in the finals. His MVP ability. Uh, yeah, I, you know about that, right? A little bit. So my question is now going into that race, if you were in Vegas and you're betting the farm, would you bet with Mean Green or against them for that last night? Just in general, not knowing who they're going to, uh, face? I mean, just getting out of the first round. You know, you, you, you're betting on them getting out of the first round because I mean, like we talked, if they get out of the first round, they're winning the night. So basically you're picking them to win the night if, if. You know. Yeah, because that's actually that the history seems fairly fairly static at that point. Um, I would honestly have to tell you that I would have lost the farm. I don't know now because I, I look at the passion that Zach Van Allen has, the talent that Decker has, the I guess lack of a better word, Opie has this year with him running laps, ugly, the tortoise-like running ability. Yet, He's always there. Flags, you know. And Clemens, he he's the I guess I wouldn't say wild card. Horse. He yeah, he's wild because wild card. He's either going to make it to turn you know past turn two, or not. You know if he does, he's a, he'll have a good race. But you know if if not, he's going to sit at turn two. But if he does a mediocre race, they're a shoe in to win the night. That's how I look at it for that last night. So I would have bet the farm, and I'd be living with you right now. Yep. That's yep. You know, it's kind of interesting that uh, like one thing I was in, I was in Mean Green's pits. I was talking to Matt Opie Pierce before the races and in one of his cars, he was racing a engine uh, of Ryan Decker's that Decker had, uh, I guess, loaned him or given him. 
and uh, Decker just came over and looked at it and said, uh, where's your radiator? And Opie said, oh, I'm not not running a radiator. And Decker said, I've never run that engine without a radiator. And it, it was just sort of an interesting... Well, I hope he sold it to him. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. But it's just an interesting thing that, you know, you're going in for the championship and, you know, you've got this thing. And it's – how long does it take to put in a radiator? Well, I don't know. If you have one, that seems to be kind of the, the thing. Maybe a half an hour from the time you put the hoses on and fill it up with water. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, it, the, that if you were going for the championship that you'd like to see something like that as a – you know, you always want to see the team putting the best foot forward and doing the not most amount of work, not like overbuilding. You know what that's oh, like. Yeah, I overbuilt all my cars. Um, but, you know, you want to see something like that where the, there are preventable problems that have been prevented. And it didn't uh, – Opie said it would be fine, and, you know, ultimately it turned out to be fine. Right. Um, in so much as uh, it, his engine did not appear to be a problem in the race. Um, but it's just like you see that and you go, huh, okay. You know. Cool. <laughs> no? Yes? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, running a dry block engine in a, you know, first round car where you need to get out, that's all well and fine. You know, guys, some guys still run dry block, you know. It's, I guess it's the the first race of a wet block engine going out dry block it would be one that would concern me because they'll steam like a son of a gun you know and that's not really good so yeah. i mean basically what you call is boiling them out you want them to get hot but not steam but maybe it's probably better if opie didn't buy the engine right <laughs> yeah because i mean if he you know i don't know it's just real rough i mean i started early Early on racing, I ran dry block, and then as I went on, the more money I put in the engines, the more, more I wanted them to last. So I start running wet block, and being a lap runner, you can go a race without getting hit. Your engine doesn't get super hot, stays cool. You know, it's just like your normal car engine then. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, that's a benefit. Um, if it was B, I probably would have sold myself on the street corner to get a radiator, I guess, to put in that. Make sure that it stayed cool enough. Just yeah, that's just a win-win for you. Yep. Hey, that's what I do anyway. Yeah. So moving on to team two, let me see if it just was a disgusting performance. Uh, I'm not sure. Is, do you know if the team is coming back? I highly doubt it. I think there's going to be a total rebuild. Something big's happening there. So I, I don't, I'm not even sure if it needs, after what we did before, further discussion. Um, well, team two was just... Yeah, there was good thoughts, you know. There's, good intentions. There's, yeah, there's talent there, but, I mean, if you're held back, there's only so much you can do, I guess. We'll just leave it at that. Yep. Then uh, what's what's next? Team three, Junkyard Dogs. Um, do we have, uh, like, a voiceover or something from, you know, a cut-in from early before the first race when I said there's too many guys in the team that are not going to do very well? Uh, I think you're going to have to supply that yourself. Oh, because I think in a you, world, you, in a, yeah, you picked them to win the championship. And I do believe you changed it at the last minute, said team four. Yes, to I another said, team that still didn't win, they the didn't championship. win a championship. That's fine. They should have. Uh, if only to make you more right. 
Right, but you know, do these guys not have any pride? Do they not understand that we're out here, we're putting our names on the line, we're putting this stuff out there? Well, my name, I don't your name. Well, shit, that's well, mud, mud, mud. I say, Poop. but uh, but uh, you know, you you put the you put your name out there. You tell them that a certain you think a certain team is going to win, and then they just they have no respect for you. Just nothing. You know, in my mind, Team Four did win. So we'll just... <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's true. You know what I'll say about Team Three is this: that um, there was a point in time where they lost their first three races of the year. They're zero and three. They're obviously out of the championship hunt. They're coming into fourth night, and you know what? They didn't give up. Like I know that sounds strange. Well, you can't. I mean, I, you have this thing called pride. I know, know, but we just got done talking about Team Two and how they just fell apart. And I'm not saying that it, the ownership situations are not like the the exact identical opposites of <laughs> yeah, one another. These were a great message. Yeah, they were alike. Something yeah. Like well, that. you know, I guess maybe they. No, they don't really look alike. I can't. I was going to make no, a joke oh, there. I was like, well, Mark, you know, they look kind of the. Mark well, sees you, he'll punch you. Yeah. Um. But, you know, the ownership situations are not the same, no. But this was kind of funny that uh, Seek and Destroy and Junkyard Dogs did pull each other in the first round. And when they pulled out onto the track after fifth of fifth night, I thought to myself, I was like, there have never been, there's never been a greater chasm of talent between two teams that have the exact same record as Seek and Destroy and the Junkyard Dogs right now. I mean, literally, they were both one and four at that point in time. And it was like, holy God. That's the year, though. Yeah. You got a team that won the championship that won one night. Yeah. I mean, that's how the year kind of went. I mean, you know, whether that's bad or good, I, don't, I mean, take it as it is. It's It was strange. Yeah. So, you know. But I, I know not giving up shouldn't be like, yay, congratulations, you didn't give up. But, you know, it's easy to get down on yourself. It's easy. You're like... And again, I to correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me it's like we're out of the championship hunt. I don't want to have to build extra cars. I just want this season to be over with. There's 19 drivers on our team. Uh, let, let, let's just let's have this season be over with. I don't want to build more cars. It's like, oh, I missed him. Oh, I, maybe I can reuse this one. We'll see. I mean, at least they had more cars. Yeah. You know, I see with team two, it was, oh, heck, if we win, we have no more cars to build. So we came and show up on the last night. Yeah. So And team two also sold cars to Stranglehold in fourth night, which meant they couldn't have used those either. Plus, which meant they had more money going into the fifth night and still didn't come up with cars. That is true. I mean, these are things that'll just, I mean, is there life on other planets? You know, with more money, can you buy more demo car? I mean, these are things we'll never figure out, I'm no. guessing. So. No, mysteries of the universe. Right. But one thing that the Junkyard Dogs did do on fifth night that they hadn't done any other night was uh, they sat one of their drivers for all three races. They got to the finals where they lost to Orange Crush. Bryce Martin, their, one of their six drivers on the team, did not race once on the evening. It was five drivers, um, and Bryce Martin sat all three races. Hmm. And now Bryce Martin is a decent car builder, a nice guy, a halfway decent younger driver. Uh, but it was kind of funny that, you know, all along you and I have been saying too many drivers, too many drivers. And the minute they essentially uh, sort of put somebody on the uh, disabled list, boom, they get to the finals. You're not going to see that group of drivers go out in the first round again. You know, it just so happened to be that uh, Bryce wasn't in when it happened. Yeah. You know, it's with Bryce, Bryce isn't a premier lap runner yet, but he also needs more driving. Yeah. I mean, you can't, 
you have to win to get more driving. It's it's like the uh, uh, Darko Milicic thing with the Detroit Pistons way back when. You know, they're a championship team. They draft this high draft pick, number two in the draft, ahead of Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And it's like, where are you going to play him? You've got five studs in the starting lineup. He's The only time he's getting experience is in practice. And it's like, if you have lap runners like Ryan Bluer and uh, uh, Big Kahuna Garrett Vanderbilt, uh, the Vanderbluer duo... Right. Uh, it's like it's tough to get on the track for that, and it's right. tough to gain the experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and that's, you know, he, he took a back seat to those two guys, you know, and, you know, it's it's like, but but what you do is you go, well, how'd that work out? Because that wasn't the first time that he sat out when those two went out there. So, you know, it, it was done before, you know. I don't know, that, that whole team, you know, I talked to some guys on the team and it just, it just, you know, you know, they're all demo drivers, but they aren't, they weren't all from the same kind of walk of life. I guess you could say they just didn't click as a group. You know, they all weren't pals and, you know, they didn't have nothing to say bad about each other, but it wasn't like they were going to build cars together. You know, I want to say everyone was pretty much at a different place building cars and it just wasn't mm-hmm. a team chemistry, which happens when you have that many guys. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, it's one of those things. And you also look at, um, you look at what, you know, 2008 Junkyard Dogs, where you had Johnny Ryan, Tom Brickman-Lewis, and Ryan Bluer, and uh, Big Kahuna. You have them running laps. Well, what they also had, too, is two premier crushers with them. The premier crushers, right. yeah. So now you take... And Bluer goes over with Ron Tarkowski and Team Six, and who do you have? You have Johnny Ryan and, and Tom Brickman Lewis, you know. And then Bluer goes back to Junkyard Dogs, and Johnny Ryan and 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 Tom Brickman Lewis stay there. And, yeah, at Orange Crush. Yeah, and Bluer finds out that it's a little bit tougher to run run laps um, when you don't have you know premier top notch crushers helping you out. You know? Yeah, you know it's it, it's a little bit tougher. Although, from what I've seen, is that I think Ryan Bluer should probably crush every once in a while. Oh, yeah. He had uh, he had a number of times where he turned around just to hit people and take them out. I think he got out. Levi pretty good in one race. I think that, that was, was fourth pretty, night, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good shot. But it's just one of those things where, you know, it'd be interesting to see the team, you know, kind of stick together. You know, pick their four guys and just stick with four guys and see what happens. You yeah. Know? I'd be surprised if, like, uh, Garrett uh, Vanderbilt left Team 3 and Bluer left Team 3, um, you know, stay there. I mean, because I guess I'd look at it as if it was me. I'd want to – I wouldn't say stick it out, but I'd want to stay to number one, show Mark that, hey, I'm not going to jump ship again or, you know, or whatever the deal is. I'd stay to show and prove to everyone that, hey, we can get, you know, this turned around. Yeah, you want to you wanna prove that you can do well. Uh, one driver who stood out, I mean, you know, you know my love affair for Kyle Scherr and uh, what he did pushing Greg Message uh, back uh, 75% of a lap uh, was impressive. But Jason Rotaco really looked good on the track. Like he, like in the in the first round, he raced two races. And uh, again, he held your dad, Steve Gursky Sr., in place for the majority of the race. And yeah, was, he should have just hit him, though. That was kind of candy-ass on Rotaco's part. 
Uh, and it, it was it was actually funny because as Jason was talking about that particular situation, he was excited because he got he held your dad out of the race the entire race and uh, held him out and uh, can reuse his car. He he could reuse his car and he was very <laughs> excited about that. But then the car got damaged as it was being pulled off the track. It popped a tire and I think it kinked the frame, something like that. So uh, his car made it through the entire race okay, but when it was being lifted off the track, boom, damaged. So I think what we found out here is that uh, next year, going into 2013, that, uh, you know, maybe if you tip the forklift guys a little bit, you know, they'll accidentally drop that car or something like that. You know, you're, it's, it seems like it's another avenue to pursue victory. Yeah, you know, Jason, you know, with him, you know, he can crush. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, watching some of the races, they had him doing like um, – almost like blocking for the lap runner, you know? Yeah. And I think run blocking is a lost art, not even a lost art. It's just, you don't need to do it. You know, lap runners that are in the TDA are good enough to fend on their own. Um, basically it's, you know, crushers on another team should go after the other team's runners. And every once in a while, if they see their runner in trouble, help them out. And it seemed like Jason was, was run blocking and that's not a strength of his, you know, that's gross. But it seemed, you know, like Jason used to be a lap runner. We used, we raced uh, a year together. He used to be a lap runner. Um, that was on Havoc? Yep. You know, he would do well, and then sometimes he wouldn't, and then you talk to him about it, and he'd just come out and tell you, like, I don't like running laps. Well, okay, if you don't like doing it, you're not going to be able to do well, you know. And you, know, you watch him do this kind of run block, and, and you could tell, you know, that he didn't like doing it, but it's like when you when he turned loose as a crusher and just do his own thing, it seemed like he he just did so much better. Uh, it was like no pressure. Go out there and crush people, and you'll do fine, you know. And you know, on the last night, it seemed like he kind of he he was able to do that, and and he did well. Yeah, he certainly did. Team four, full, full throttle. throttle, wide fucking open. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's funny that like when I'm watching the races, I have my I have my notebook with me, and I, I, I jot down little things about what's going on in the race. Like if there are like big stuff hits, that makes no sense at all. And yeah, like your you know, view of the races is really skewed. Well, You're I don't actually critical. jot that down, but uh, you know, stuff like, oh my God, Kyle Shear just delivered the most amazing hit ever, and then I dot my eyes with little hearts, things like that. I bet you did. And but uh, want to wear his shirt to bed and the pajamas pajamas but oh. i wrote down uh i wrote down uh full throttle took on stranglehold in the first round and i wrote down literally three things during the race and he was, that's it three things and underneath it i summarized as boring 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 never have i written less about a race it was like it was and i think in a weird way this was a compliment to stranglehold that they went from being sort of comically bad to simply boring bad um but in full throttle's case, they they took on a, a lesser team. They they won, and it, it was sort of like, yeah, it wasn't. It didn't stand out as being a great race, but they took care of business and got it done. I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, after you just sit there and call it boring, how would you like me to comment on it? Stranglehold struggled all year. They had some new drivers, ish. <laughs> One, I mean, Bill McMahon, he's been in it, I guess. You know, Michael Noble, he's 
I should still give him a little bit of shit because he said it in a podcast that they yeah. were going to win the championship. I, I think they guaranteed to mention that to him, but I'm yeah. sure he'd say, oh, we beat you guys in fourth night. So. Oh, that's right, when you came out of retirement, the loose yeah. stranglehold. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But, so, uh, I was just trying to spark a poopy team. But anyway, um, you know, I think you're the one who said that they'd be at the bottom this year. So, I mean, at least that was stranglehold. one thing, right? Yeah. Out of all the stuff you say, you had one thing right, that stranglehold would be at the bottom. Actually, you know, I had damage ink at the bottom. I had stranglehold in seventh, but technically, I think they were in seventh. So, so maybe it all if works I out. think that, that was probably me that said that they'd be at the bottom. Yeah, I think that was right. Okay, so I'm better than Chris, obviously. Well, I, you all listening know this. But, yes, um, there, there's not much debate on and that. It's one. nothing personal against them. It was just you looked at who they were bringing out, and you know you kind of take in consideration what they've done in recent years. Um. It is what it is with, with with them, I guess. You know, with Team yeah. Four, we all know, I you know they're the only team that brought back all their all four drivers and you know picked them. You know, first night they looked real strong. Yep, until, they got to the finals, yeah, I think. Right? Yep, against Bean Green, third round they had some engine troubles. Uh, you know, and then it, you know, I don't know, kind of a little bit up and down from there. I mean, they had a, they had some tough draws this year, though. Yeah. I think everybody had some tough draws, though. I think that's Except the... for Reckoning. They pretty much had it handed to them on a platter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where Where's the cowbell when you need it? But, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I watch I watch Full Throttle, and uh, it's Levi is running good laps. Ron Johnston is, is doing a pretty good job keeping people clear when he can see. Yeah, uh, and... Peter Allen and Pete Millett. Yeah, repeat, he's an animal. Yeah. You know, um, you know, lap running, Jay could probably pick it up a little bit. Um, you know, Levi, he flashes some real good running every now and again, and more times than not, he does really well. Ronnie, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it just, it's they one look- of those things where it seems like, you know, hey, you guys lost. Why? You know, it just kind of, it's not like they got, you know, totally smoked. No, it just happens. It's a tough race, and they they get the shaft on the other end. So, yeah, I mean, I, you just go, huh? Well, that sucks. Yeah. And uh, someone's got to lose. Why does it seem like it's Team Four? You know, but yeah, I I think it's one of those things. You know, we've we've talked. I've talked about my my love of advanced baseball statistics before. Oh, here we go. And uh, you know, there's just certain things where it's like you know, like batting average on balls in play. Uh, it's like. You know, sometimes it's low, sometimes it's high, and it's just sort of luck. It's like where the ball is going and, you know, how good your fielders are. And it's like sometimes you have a bad, bad year, and the batting average on balls in play is very high, and other times it's very low. And it's like I think it's the same type of thing with full throttle where it's like, yeah, they lost a lot of tough races, and sometimes that just happens. Shit happens. Yeah, and it's like it's, you know, it's terrible because they're, you know, a good bunch of guys. You like watching them race. They race hard. But, you know, it's just, eh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should stop getting tasered. <laughs> well, we we can't we can't curtail their weekend activity <laughs> all that much. So anyway, we talked about Team Five. Yeah, we covered Team Five before is... Team Four while talking about Team Four. Right. Well, we, you know, kind multitasking. Of you know, Team Five had a rough year, inexperience. Yeah, you know, and stuff happens. Now, Team Six, on the other hand, yes. I just uh, one minute. Let me just say that uh, I think that uh, it marked the. I think te- the fifth night marked the end of the Mel Noble Junior uh, Demolition Derby driving experience, at least from what I was told. 
Uh, Mel, as you know, is my favorite crazy driver. He's the legally blind demolition derby driver. The one they made the movie about? Uh, the one they're going to make the movie about when I sell the rights to Disney, who took a helmetless head-on with Ryan Decker mm-hmm. and uh, I believe once performed minor surgery on himself during the course of a race so he could keep on racing. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't he wasn't content to keep his crazy at the track. And uh, I believe Thursday night before the race managed to burn a car down in the stranglehold shop again, again. And, uh, so he, Mel Noble jr. Told me that he is, uh, retiring. And, uh, I just want to say, can't retire. You haven't really been in it. Well, he can retire. He's been there for three years. It's like, <laughs> you know what? Why? Well, okay, now why is he retiring? Because he burned a car down? Uh, no, I, I just I think it's getting too hard for because he can't. He needs assistance when he builds the cars, uh, given that he's blind. But he said he wasn't that blind. We'll have to try this one again. So, <laughs> so given that Mel Noble Jr. is retiring, I just want to say thank you for three years of insta- of of inspired insanity. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. So, Team Six. I don't know. I don't know what to say about them. It's... They looked so good third oh, night. They looked so good fifth go. night. And I, I look at that, and I mean, I, it's evident who you want to blow. Okay. I, I, I just, I, I, w- I looked at the way Orange Crush looked fifth night, and was like, "Wow, this is a good power team. This team looks looks good." Yes, you're right. I should have went and raced with them then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I don't. It, it, you know, I don't know. I guess for me, you know, watching them, it just seemed kind of like some other teams rotate drivers in and out. Didn't get, you know, didn't get that feeling good feeling until it was too late, I guess. You know, going into the fourth night, they had a tough first round draw against Team Three, and Team Three come out on top, you know. Um, that kind of knocked them out for the championship running. I mean, if that race goes a different way, going into the fifth night you know then it's really interesting you got three teams going for it but you know i guess if carl brower ron tarkowski uh tom lewis and johnny ryan started the year i think you'd be talking about another you know orange crush championship is kind of how i look at it you know but it's all the drivers switching in and out you know you look at the teams that you know well you look at reckoning they didn't switch drivers in and out they stayed pretty consistent that's yep. Right. But with Team Six, it's Team Six. They have a, a great team owner and a sponsor, and it's, you know, I mean, they're going to do well. I mean, yeah. you couldn't. And Carl Brower had a night of. It's good to see him back and running laps like that. Oh, my he, God. Just he and he and Ron Tarkowski just fast. I'm going to have to call Carl and see who does his transmission so I can get one done for some of my street cars. Yeah, because he can go from forward to reverse, balls out. It, it is a thing of beauty. I mean, the two orange, like, because you know, we talked at the beginning of the season how it seemed like uh, the runners were just sort of absent this year. Like there was no real, true stud runners. But as the year went along, it really did seem like Carl Brower and Ron Tarakowski were just like intent on making that not true oh i'm sure they listened to this and said they're going to prove you wrong well you know just like yeah 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 just like yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. 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 but no they uh carl brower just looked 
fantastic. Just, I mean, they were. That'd be interesting to see what the team does for next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I I talked to Johnny Ryan. I talked to uh, talked to Tom Brickman Lewis, and both of them swear they're done. And uh, you know, you hear a little bit of that, but uh, you know, knowing the ups and downs and some of the the trials and tribulations that those guys have had this year, I put a little bit more faith in their statements than I normally would. Yeah, those guys get pretty riled up about things and, you know, if this is, you know, whatever it was was the final straw, then when they're done, that means that's two other guys new come into the league and, you yeah. know, I mean, there's no one that's going to be the same as them, but, you know, hypothetically there's going to be another Tom Lewis and another Johnny Ryan, you know, whether or not they're as good, who knows, but you know, as guys leave, there's other guys that come in. and That is true, but, I mean, those two together and what they had, I mean, it's, I mean, they raced together for probably, what, nine, eight, nine years, something like that, as crushers? No. That, 2008, they started racing together. Didn't they race? I don't think they raced together on another team. I could be wrong. We'll have to talk to the facts guy. But what I'm saying is, is there's never going to be, you know, you know, two individuals like that. I mean, is there going to be two guys that can come into the league and do the same thing? Sure. I mean, 10 years ago, there was someone saying that, you know, Joe Blow and Joe Schmo there left, you know. Joe there's... Snow. You're no. mispronouncing it. It's no. Joe Snow. There's going to be, you know, two guys leave. There's no one, never going to be anyone like them. Well, it's certainly know? harder to replace a, a tandem crushing team like Johnny Ryan and Tom Lewis. See, I'm just going to disagree with you because that's what I do, but I – I disagree with you, but I'll give you credit. I understand what you're saying. But what I'm saying is for every person that leaves that's good, there's going to be – there's always going to be someone else that comes in that's good. Those two as a as a crushing tandem, excellent. You know, heck, you know, wherever Wally and Nick end up next year, if they're – The hard tongues. The hard tongues, you know, weapons, if they crush, and they, then they're good for three years, you know. Yeah. You're, they're totally different than Johnny Ryan and, and Tom Lewis, but they can be as good. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, just go with me, okay? It's late. Just put the frying pan down. We're okay. Just put I'm it down. Tired? You got me doing this? Sleeping over here? Wow. What some... are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about, we're moving on to Team Seven, reckoning the champs. What can you say that hasn't already been said? I I don't know. Um. You know, you don't usually see a team lose two straight races on the way to a championship season, but Reckoning pulled it off. And uh, I remember I saw Brian Anderson in the pits, team owner for Reckoning, Brian Anderson in the pits after the race, uh, after their first round loss. I was like, congratulations, you lost your way to a championship. He was like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll hear the last part, not the first part. It was very anticlimactic, I think. You know, I talked to Brian. He's he's like it's it's nice to you know be crowned champion, but you know whether you feel like it or not, as he said, doesn't really matter. But you are, so be happy about it. You so might as well enjoy it. That's some Brian logic for you. But you know, consistency—that's all I could say. I mean, that's the reckoning year. I mean, you know, I think if I was running the team, Wally would have ran more laps. Wally Hartung, Nick would have crushed more. And Nick Hartung, Nick Hartung, father and son, the Hartungs. It would be Brian and and Wally running laps. You know, yeah. Uh, I thought Wally was a better crusher while he was running laps. So <laughs> you know, 
wrap your mind around that, you know, and speedy is speedy, you know, I mean, if he can crush with the best of them. So, you know, it, it's, you know, you know, is there things they could have done different during oh the year God. to make it a little bit easier for him? Sure. But, well, it was interesting to me to see the uh, sort of, you know, I, I was writing about Reckoning, um, and uh, it brought to mind that quote from uh, from the movie Major League where, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen plays Rick Vaughn, the young phenom who can throw 110 miles an hour or whatever, and he sees the crusty old veteran, um, Eddie Harris, taking off his shirt in the locker room, and the guy's got all these different patches of things on his chest, and he's talking about how he will uh, he puts a lot of stuff on the ball when he's throwing it, and he's like, you know, sometimes you use a little bit of Crisco. You know, if, I, if somebody's watching me, I rub a little jalapeno on my nose. I'll put snot on the ball. He's like, I use over here. This is Vagisil. And, and so, uh, you know, Rick Vaughn, Charlie Sheen's character, is confused. He's like, what? What are you doing? He's like, I, I can't throw 100 miles an hour like you, kid. I got to do anything I can. And it's sort of that that quote to me seems to summarize Reckoning season, which is it's like we don't have the greatest cars. We don't have the we don't have a ton of money. Our drivers, we don't have like this huge stud driver like a like a Ryan Decker or like a Ryan Bluer. Uh, or Steve Gersky Jr. Um, and it's like, bullshit. Uh, it's like we'll junk ball it. We'll do whatever we have to do. And it's like from from race to race, it's like, uh, is is Anderson going to be running? Maybe. Is he going to be crushing? Maybe. It's like, what do you got? What? It's like from race to race, it would always change. And it's like, let's we're just going to throw something at you. And it's like, uh, surprise. Yeah, they won. And it was ugly. I mean, you, you go into a race where you got two lap runners get taken out, and you got a crusher in a '64 Chrysler wagon gets done crushing, and then goes runs laps, wins it. I do believe that was against Team Four. Yeah, but you know, you look at that, and you're like, "Wow, that was a horribly ugly race," and yet you still win it. Yeah, and it still counts as a W. You know, I guess you know that's reckoning. Yeah, know. there. No. Well, I mean, last year. I guess their greatest skill this year, I think was in fact winning. It's like at a certain point, winning becomes a skill and they seem to have that. No, you see, you can't say that because you and I have argued about Tim Tebow. So that's like, you just called reckoning Tebow. I'm comfortable with that. He just wins. Even though, you know, even though they can't run a lap and Tebow can't throw a ball, they're just winners. I argued all last year with you about this, you jag off. I, I'm, gonna, I'm torn between my, my decision. So easy. I'm torn between my decision to not like Tebow with my decision to call reckoning a Tebow like figure. Don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Anyway, moving on to your favorite team. Damage Inc. Damage Inc. You know, I feel like in a weird way, Damage Inc. is a little bit like Reckoning Junior. Um, by which I mean that it's like who's running laps? Ooh, wait till you see. It's like we're going to like they took it one step further. It's like who's even driving for you guys? Is that is that <laughs> like are you guys Ooh, wearing each other's helmets? Are, do you wait, uh how many numbers? Like you take a look at team owner Dave Swan Repo and uh Dave might have run six different numbers this year. Like uh I'm pretty sure he was 88, 86, 85, 81 and 80. Maybe that's five numbers. And it's like you're watching you're like Oh, look at, look at, is Repo out there? Who's, is that, uh, well, it's like, then it's like, all right, is there a thin guy driving and going fast? And it's like, aha, he's over there. Yeah, but see, the thing is, though, I mean, and you don't know who it is by their driving style because they all drove pretty similar. 
I guess. You know, well, I'd I mean, say because it's like you see Pete Ryan maybe... was the Pete Ryan was sort of the angry guy. It's like who do I not want to get hit by? Oh, that car. Okay, that's got to be Pete Ryan. It's like who's going fast? And they said who's thin and going fast? It's like okay, that's Dave Swan. All right, there we go. Well, that's what probably made them tough is that people didn't know who was going to run, and you know, some teams. You know, I've been on teams that do the same thing where. Hey, we're the two runners. Those are the two crushers. Come stop us. Yeah. And with Team 8, it's like, take a wild guess. Yeah. You know, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> they probably, Maybe they don't even talk, talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Roll it out there. Who's running? Well, we'll see when we get out there. No, it's true. And the thing is that when uh, when Damage started the year, uh, they looked pretty good in beating Orange Crush in the first round. And uh, they, looked, they looked strong in the second round, too, even though they lost. And... You know, fifth night that their bookends this year were really good. They looked really good against. I think they had one loss in there that was kind of bad. Mm -hmm. That looked kind of bad, you know. But there was another loss in there where I watched them. It was that maybe that was the last. No, it was probably fourth night. They faced reckoning. I think it was maybe that one where it didn't. They lost, but it wasn't like. A bad loss i mean you know they hung with them and you know it's like reckoning just did barely enough to win I think. yep you know that's i, mean, that's I think that's on is. the team motto right there yeah barely enough barely enough to win but i mean it's you know it was good to see teammate get out of the the bottom end yeah they're in the top half i think yeah. they finished fourth get out of town really yeah fourth place yeah well, isn't there a big three-way tie for second, huh? Two. Yeah. Huh. Damage finished in fourth. And it was. It was very good to see them up there, and it was very good to see them, like, fighting strong. Yeah. You know, it'd be, it'd be good to see those. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who fourth driver was. Uh, sometimes I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if they. I was just going to say if they bring out another guy, you know, but I couldn't even tell you who. See? Wow. Yeah. You are tired. No. Impressive. But I think impressive. I think the thing that was funny, and this happened uh, at least with two races uh, of damages this year that I can remember, is that uh, they they would have they would have a runner who was just going, and you couldn't figure out why he wasn't turning off to hit somebody or why he wasn't going somewhere, and then something would happen to the other team's lead runner, and then he'd squeak by in the last turn, and it would win, and. And that was precisely what happened in the race against Mean Green was that uh, Andrew Sherman, number eight for that race, I believe, was he was sort of, eh, you know, like a quarter of a lap behind Matt Pierce the whole way. And uh, then, you know, boom, just sort of sneaked in when, when you know, boom, right there, got the got the last lap. And it was just like, you know, he just kept going. Same thing. Uh, uh, what was the race? I think it was like second night where there was another, there was some issue whether like people couldn't believe he'd won maybe against junkyard dogs. Same thing. It's just, they kept going and he would just follow, follow around, follow around, keep driving. It's like, you sort of lose track of him. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, there he is. He won. Yep. And it's over. Yeah. It's like, Oh, huh. Okay. But yeah, they were, well, the, to use a already coined phrase, fairly sneaky this year. So, 
<laughs> really? Yep, and there you have it. So, you know, Steve, you and I are going to do a year-end episode of the podcast discussing the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, um, and the, you know, truly, truly the out. The ins and the outs of the TGA. Yes, this season for 2012. Uh, but for now, we are going to sign off um, and be back next week. Adios, amigos. Wee! Ay, 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 ay! For Chris Numer and Steve Gersky Jr., go Gersky, go home, or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Share and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at koshersounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest Demolition Derby news, and columns, you may visit us at BehindTheDestruction.com.